You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast as we tape this podcast from SEC Media Days in Hoover, Alabama. Coming up today, it'll be Pat Dooley from the Gainesville Sun. We'll talk to Florida Gators. It'll be Matt Muscana from ESPN, New Orleans and Baton Rouge, and we'll visit with Daryl Taylor, the linebacker from the University of Tennessee. So LSU, Florida, and Tennessee on the docket today. I want to remind you to go to Twillery.com. That's Twillery.com. Use the Locked On promo code. Get $25 off of your purchase. Free shipping, free returns. Why not try it? Let's begin with Matt Muscana of ESPN New Orleans and ESPN Baton Rouge. Full-time head coach Ed Ogeron has tried to be more, you know, Fortune 500 CEO, buttoned up, a little more polished. He's trying to become, in some respects, maybe what he thinks a head coach should look like. Uh, his his two experiences so far in media days as LSU's head coach, I think have left a lot to be desired because his personality doesn't come through, and I wish he would be more willing to show it. Today will be interesting at the podium, this third go-around. Let's see if he is a bit more more comfortable, uh, more expectation certainly than a year ago where all the talk was 7-5, and five, hot seat. Um, this year you've got expectations, and he's going into the season with a loaded gun. And I'm, I'm curious if it will make him more, more relaxed because when he's relaxed, he's really, really good. Um, but we don't get to see that side of Ed too much, uh, head coach Ed, oddly enough. Looking at that. LSU's talent. Let's say Alabama is an A plus in the conference in terms of talent. Where's LSU? Where's the rest of the conference? Yeah. Well, closest would be Georgia, and I would say they are A. And okay. Alabama's A plus. Is that there? Okay. Then I'd put LSU this year uh, a notch below Georgia. Um, they they have holes. I'd love them to have more depth on the defensive line, but their starters are, are pretty good. The offensive line, I think, is what was a problem last year, and you've got the same group of guys this year. So just because you return everybody from a bad line doesn't mean your line's better. I, may, maybe with experience they will be. But skill positions, they are loaded. They've got a fifth-year senior quarterback that they trust. Uh, they've got, I think, the best defensive player in college football, Grant Delpit, who was a unanimous All-American last year and is just playing the position at a completely different level. Um, they have got numbers at uh, at linebacker, and the guy who nobody knows but should is Caleb on Chasson, who was the heir apparent to Arden Key as the ed- edge rusher and tore his ACL in the first game against Miami last year and missed the whole season. He's back now and in phenomenal shape, and that's a guy that I think you're going to look at as you know as a if he has the double digit sack season this year, like many think he might, he he could in spite of missing last year being early NFL guy. So. That LSU's as stable and as talented as they've been since Ed Ogeron's been the coach. Um, and, and, and they got a favorable schedule. So you're seeing a different conversation this year about LSU, and it's justified. Now, they got to go live up to it, but when you're checking boxes in the preseason, this team checks a lot of boxes. Joe Burrows turned a lot of heads last season. What does he do? What does he bring to LSU that really makes that offense go? Because that's yeah. the most movement up and down the field I've ever seen yeah. it have in, in a few years. Yeah, so Joe is, well, first of all, just physically, he he's built like, if you're building the prototype quarterback, right? He's he's 6'4", 235, uh, keeps himself in shape. He's He can make all the throws. So, I mean, right, you start there and you go, okay, well, Danny Etling didn't have a big arm. Uh, other guys maybe didn't have mobility. Like, he, he checks all those boxes physically, which is a great start when you're building a quarterback. 
but I think more so, he, son of a coach, very cerebral, like film room junkie, loves to study defenses and offenses. And maybe the most important thing is that the coaches trust him. Uh, when you talk to the new passing game coordinator, Joe Brady, he says, look, when we go watch film, Joe is making all the right calls and right reads first time out the shoot. Now, does that mean on a Saturday when you're playing Alabama and here comes a, a disguised blitz off the edge, are, are you going to step into the throw and make that? We'll see. But they have a lot of confidence in him. Physically, he can do it. The players love him. He's Remember, a year ago at this time, he was still he was only on campus for about a, a month at this point a year ago. So he started to go win the job. So I, he checks. Talking about checking boxes, Joe does all that. Physically, he has it. Mentally, he has it. He, uh, he's got all the intangibles. And as a fifth-year senior, it's unquestionably his offense. And I, for the first time, probably since Zach Mettenberger in 2013, LSU has a quarterback that you feel like can go win them a game as opposed to, hey, just don't go lose it for us today, which is a different feeling. The other thing I hear about him, their mutual friend Landry, who knows the LSU staff well, is that his, his leadership skills are through the roof. I think a lot of that, too, comes from being the son of a coach yeah. and being around locker rooms and, and, and being around the game so much. But there's no question. Another part of it, too, is, man, when you can get popped in the mouth and stand up and take it, you kind of get the support of your guys, right? So, I mean, there was a time last year LSU was playing Ole Miss and Joe scores on a, on a quarterback scramble around the edge and he's going into the end zone and the Ole Miss guy pops and that flag comes out, popped him about five yards into the end zone and pushed Joe almost you know, into the, the, the fence. Uh, at around the field Tiger Stadium, and there's this amazing uh, meme or GIF on a if you look for it on Twitter of Joe, kind of like getting up and cocking his head to the side, just staring the guy down from Ole Miss, and like players see that and he's got a little bit of swag to him. You may not real think it with Joe, but he he's got all that. He's he's got the it. He's he's got the the leadership to follow me. I mean, it's they're they're excited about it. you can't you can tell like you talk to people around the program, they're excited about Joe Burrow. He's I mean he's Dave, it seems like every year we come to this and people always say, ask me the question, every year I've been here. Yeah, but does LSU have a quarterback? <laughs> Are they, is, this right. fi- is this finally the year they're going to play quarterback? And the answer this year is, yeah, it, it is. They, they do. They got a guy that, that they like a lot. Did you change your mind in that regard? Because I'll be honest with you, and I was wrong. With Joe? Yes, because a year ago, at this very time, I thought the average Joe uh, term was accurate. I was wrong. He, yeah. he, he played beyond that. Did you have as much belief in him a year ago at this time? I, I don't. I don't think that I had any any grand expectation of him coming in, just because you knew that it was going to take a while for him to function within the to learn it. I mean, literally at this point last year, Joe Burrow gave an interview last week and he said, literally at this point last year, I didn't even know where my apartment was on campus. Like I couldn't get to my apartment. And you're being thrown into a new offense, new players, new teammates. You're opening in a neutral site game against top ten Miami. I mean it. It was a lot for him to digest. And if you look at his numbers in November, they pop. I mean, it, it's clear things slowed for him in November and the light came on. And I think their hope is, okay, now build on that now. But my expectation for him last year, I, I was probably like you, you know, Dave. I think I probably just – I thought LSU would be a 7-5 and five team last year. I looked at the schedule, all that they had lost, new quarterback coming in, whether he's good or bad, it's going to take a, a transition – and I think they exceed they exceeded everybody's expectations. Joe's part of that. I asked Ron Higgins the same thing that I'll ask you, Matt, and that is, um, does Ed Orgeron have the it factor 
to win a championship? How about a national title? Does he have that? Because we're talking about the elite of the elite. And, and maybe it's because when I covered him, he was a position coach. I still kind of view him as a guy who got a lucky break twice um, as a head coach, but I'm not sure that he has that ability to take a team on an, on an undefeated national championship type of drive. I could be wrong, yeah. but does he? Um, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, and that's not a popular opinion at, at home. But, I bet not. But, um, look, the, and I was very critical of the hire when they made it. And so that's when when you're at LSU and you make a head coaching hire once every 10, 12 years, um, and then you, you you criticize the hire, people never forget that. So I wish him all the success in the world. And per, on a very personal level, I love to see people have success. I love to see people reach their goals and their dreams. And this is a guy who got his dream job. You know, that's that's an awesome thing it in life. Cool. That is an awesome thing in life. But the reality is, your point, Dave, there's not another school in the SEC that would have hired Ed Ogeron. And, and maybe he'll prove all of them wrong. And I hope he does. I hope he proves me wrong. I would love to see Ed win a championship. That'd be great. Um, it still feels in many respects like he's learning on the job. He's getting more comfortable. But in the SEC and the SEC West, it's, it's a tough place to be when you're learning on the job. And expectations are a hell of a thing because two years ago they were 9-3 and three and they wanted to run them out of town after they lost to Troy. Last year they went 9-3, and three, but because the expectations were low, they were celebrated. Nine and three this year, people are going to be really upset because you have a stable roster. You know, you've got you've got your coordinators. You feel like you've got a favorable schedule. Georgia rotates off, Vanderbilt rotates on. You, know, you get Florida, Auburn, A and M all at home, where you travel to them all last year. I mean, you got a favorable schedule this year, and if if you lose three games this year, people are going to be upset, justifiably so. Well, that's Matt Muscona coming up next. It'll be Pat Dooley of the Gainesville Sun. We'll talk some Gators. Stay tuned. You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Time for a conversation with Pat Dooley of the Gainesville Sun on your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. I want to get to Florida first. You were talking about uh, Steve Spurrier, and you know, Steve coached a little bit in the AAF, technically, I guess, won the championship. Um, uh, no, he definitely won the championship. According he'll to him. tell you. Yes. Yeah, according to him. He's got a ball in his in his office at Florida that says AAF champions. Is there and, a chance that it would give him the itch to coach again? Oh, I think so. I think he I think he wants to do it, but it's gotta be right. And that that's the thing about the AAF. It was perfect for him because it was a short time. Um they were gonna give him a nice amount of money. They um you know Did he get paid? Yeah, I, he okay. got paid. Everybody got paid up until the point where they ran out of money. Okay. You know? But um, I don't know. I, I, I talked to a lot of people who thought that league was really going to make it. I think one thing that hurt them was that uh, ESPN chose to ignore them. Because ESPN, all their eggs are in the uh, XFL basket. So they just said, we're not. the only stories we're going to report are negative ones. And that's never good. It's hard to, you got to have the worldwide leader now, you know, on your side. Uh, as we've seen with summer league basketball, <laughs> if, yeah. if, if they've invested in it's you, it's a thing. Yeah. Well, I guess I I have I can't watch it. No, I can't either. Yeah. But it's something that people talk about because it gets so much coverage. If you're in a bar and it's on, you'll watch it. You know. So I've watched it. Yeah. Grayson <laughs> Allen's there. I'll watch it and hope. Well, so, yeah. Yes. Exactly. He is the he is the summer league. <laughs> Who is he going to hit this time? <laughs> That's right. 
Um, so you could see him really get back back into the coaching. Could, but again, it would have to be perfect. Um, and uh, at this point, like a college team, I don't know if he would want to coach college again. He doesn't want to recruit. He doesn't want to like for 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 the the normal coach right now for Dan Mullen for Nick Saban. It's what fifty one weeks a year, every day. The Spurrier wants a job where he can coach about nineteen weeks, you know, and not have to recruit, not have to glad handle alumni stuff like that. There aren't that many of them. He had one of them. And it didn't work out, but unfortunately. But he feels like um, he showed I, I can still out coach anybody because the coaches in the league were pretty good. I mean, you had New Eisel yeah. in there and uh, Dennis Erickson, guys like that. So the coaches were good, but he out coached them all. All right, I out coached them all. <laughs> Could he get with the XFL? Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I I think I brought that up to him, and he didn't. I, he felt like they were all set with that. I don't, I don't know that he wants to get into another situation where he can halfway through the season loses, you know, lose the uh, the rest of the season. So we'll see. I'd say one thing. Felipe Franks took a huge step. If he takes another huge step, that's really, really good for the Gators. Well, and that's what I've been telling everybody is uh, all summer is that he went from bad to gr- good, and he was bad, and he went to and he got good. Can he go from good to great? And but. Can you go from good to great with four new starters on the offensive line? I don't know. He's got – I like their skill players almost as much as anybody in the league. I'm Obviously, when you're talking about Alabama, I, I think their skill players are better than Georgia uh, this year, especially with what Georgia lost at receiver. But can you protect them? Can you open holes? Can you develop a running game? That's the biggest question for them. That and their roster's a little bit shaky right now because they've lost a lot of players. For different reasons. Um, as, in fact, I think that's what I'm going to write for tomorrow. Let's see Dan Mullen address that. That's nine to the portal, two to academics, two more are shaky academics. One guy just got hurt uh, who would have played uh, out for the year. I don't know why, for some reason, every year Florida loses a guy during the pre-practice schedule with an Achille- torn Achilles. I don't know why. One guy every year. This year it was David Reese the third or whatever it is. It's not the, the David Reese, the starter, but the other David Reese. He's a really he was gonna be a really good player. Uh with the number of transfers that Florida's had, uh does that make Dan Mullen look bad or does that make that program look bad or is that overblown by the media in some I don't kind think of way? It makes the program look bad. I think it, it is um because they were all different circumstances and the last one, Brad Edwards, um, they, he didn't tell the coaches. I don't know where he was coming from. Chris Steele thing made them look bad. It wasn't good. I, I know there was more to it than what um, was reported because some of it you can't report, but he, he didn't want to be at Florida, and, and he wanted to get out. Um, okay. And he would have played. He would have played a lot of meaningful minutes. But most of those other guys are special teams guys. But now you've lost guys who would have played special teams. And so uh, when you lose nine to the portal, here's the amazing thing. Florida was coming off, arguably, you could make an argument they had it the best momentum built in the postseason. Because Alabama, obviously, their fans are a little down. They get smoked in the championship game. Uh, Even Georgia, who beat Florida and won the East, 
lost their bowl game. But Florida finishes with FSU, destroys them, destroys Michigan. They get all the momentum going, and they lose nine of the portal. Missouri, oh, by the way, you got a bowl ban this year. What they lose one player to the portal? Yeah. So I think a lot of it is those players at Florida are highly recruited. You know, they they believe they think a lot of themselves, and they see grass greener on the other side. But as you know, I mean, a lot of these kids that went into the portal can't find school. Nobody wants them, and they're they're struggling. I mean, I think I I think I the number I had Friday when I counted was 410 guys in the portal, and no, that were in the portal, and I I would I want to say close to 80 of them hadn't found a place to go. And may and may may or may not. We'll see. Well, that definitely has to be adjusted. Uh, get, getting back to uh, Florida, what makes Florida fans happy this particular year? Well, I think they've got to be Miami first of all, okay? Because Miami, it's it's a, it's a weirdest rivalry in sports. And they're rivals and they never play. Um, <laughs> but you've got to get keep you've got to get the momentum turned back around in that direction. Um, and then, obviously, the Georgia elephant is going away. That's kind of a weird pun because Alabama's yes. the elephant. Yeah, but, uh, Alabama but it, Bulldogs. It is an it is, yeah, it is a uh, elephant in the room for Florida fans right now because they they had owned Georgia for so long after not owning him for so long, and then Spur comes in and Urban comes in and and even uh, even McElwain beat him a couple of times. So. And now Georgia feels like that they've just created this unbelievable distance, this gap. Um, so, can you beat them? That'll, that'll be a that'll be a big factor. So, if they go ten and two, go to another really nice bowl game, don't win the SEC, don't win the East. I think Gator fans are be, can live with that, but what they can't live with is a, a big step back, like nine and three. Even I think would be fine because. You know, you got to go to Kentucky, you got to go to Missouri, which normally you wouldn't say much, but Kentucky just beat them. Missouri always beats them for some reason. And you still got to go to Baton Rouge, too. I think it's a, it's a hard schedule from that result. So um, they need to beat Miami, need to beat FSU again, keep them down, you know. Yeah. Um, but obviously your goal is to eventually get to where you're beating Georgia. That is Pat Dooley. Coming up next, it'll be Tennessee linebacker Daryl Taylor on your Locked on SEC Football podcast. You are Locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Time for a conversation with Tennessee linebacker Daryl Taylor, your Locked on SEC Football podcast. Inconsistency was Taylor's problem last year. Had a couple of great games, a couple of games where he seemed to disappear. We visited with him about that when you're locked on SEC Football Podcast. Uh, That's just a matter of me studying film better, knowing how to break it down and sitting with my coaches and talking about it. And that's me working on my technique. That's me uh, staying late a little later after practice just to work that technique just to get better at it. I talked to an agent who talked to some NFL folks that said that they thought you might be able to do what Josh Allen did at Kentucky last year. That's pretty strong stuff because he was a first-round draft pick. Do you see yourself being able to fiddle into that kind of a role? Yes, I definitely see myself being able to fit into that role because my teammates will help me do that and the coaching staff will help me do that. So that would definitely make me a great player using those resources. 
Do you, I think one of the coaches said this is like a contract year for you. Do you see it that way too? Yeah. I just see it as trying to make my team the best team that we can possibly be and put us in the uh, best position that we can to win games. Do you think the second year in this system will pay off that you guys will know more about what to do and there will be fewer mistakes? Yes, I definitely the second year in the system will definitely pay off because we know it now, we know what to do, we know how to do it, we know why to do it, and I think that's definitely going to pay off in the uh, long run for us. Darrell, going back to the, the consistency and kind of up and down last year, how, how would you explain that? I just think it's us not being consistent, like you said, but I think it's just not focusing how we're supposed to focus in and uh, us just staying, keeping our heads straight and make sure that we get in film room with our coaches and studying film as much as we can. How about you specifically, how you would have a big game and then not such a big game? Um, I think that's just me working my technique, just trying to get better at my technique and working as much as I can each and every day. You've had a chance to see the SEC now, and you've seen this team change with Jeremy Pruitt. Do, how much closer do you feel like you guys are to competing at the highest level in the SEC? I think we're as close as we've ever been to compete at the highest level because we have Jeremy Pruitt and, and our coaching staff uh, right behind us, and we, we have a lot of new players that, that are ready to work and ready to put in a lot of work just to make it to where we want to go. What's been the key uh, as far as getting to a higher level? I think the key has been consistency, hard work, and dedication because you can't you can't do anything without dedication and hard work. So I think we're trying to be more dedicated than we've ever been and trying to work harder than we've ever been. How much better shape, conditioning, strength is this team in now as opposed to last year? I, mean, I think we're in so much better condition than we were last year, and our strength level is going up through the roof. I think a lot of guys are lifting heavy weights in our weight room, and I think a lot of guys are moving a lot faster on the field. Bill, do you think that you're going to be moved around a lot? Stand up outside linebacker, defensive end, one side, left side, right side. Do you think they'll use you in that way to move you around a lot? Yes, I definitely think they'll use me in any way that they can. To stand up, hand in the dirt, dropping anything. They'll use me any way they can, and I'll be glad to do it. Do you like, do you like that role then, to be able to move around a lot? Yes, I like that role because that's exactly what I played in high school. I was all over the field, and I played many different positions, so it, it's normal to me. How important do you think it is for this program that in year two at least you get to a bowl game? Yeah, we'll definitely get to a bowl game this year. That's not a thing. We just want to be as consistent as we can and be uh, win as many games as we can. Do you pay any attention to the preseason projections about Tennessee? Do you follow any of that? No, we just keep our heads down and we keep working. We don't worry about what's outside of the Tennessee football. If you hear that you're picked fourth or fifth in the SEC East, how will you respond to that, if that's the case? We won't, worry about respond- we won't worry about responding. We'll just do what we have to do to make sure we're successful every week. That's Daryl Taylor, and that's your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a fantastic day, everyone.